On this week's Bet the Process podcast, we will be talking about the college football playoffs. We'll be giving you some value going into this week. We actually see some value on some of these week's games, which is exciting. We're going to be going through college football scenarios, playoff scenarios, having the ongoing debate about whether we should have a playoff or not. Rufus is not going to be understanding me and a bunch of the points I'm trying to make, which is par for the course these days. Then we're going to be talking a little bit about contrarian investments in my fight that I got into with Chris Connolly uh, regarding his reasoning and up being upset with Mike Zimmer. And then finally, we'll be going to the NFL where we'll be mostly focused on doing some picks this week. And then Rufus challenges me to feats of strength and we'll see what happens there. So as always, the Bet the Process podcast is brought to you by the Sports Action app, which is the number one app for tracking all of your betting information. And it's free on the Google Play Store and the iTunes Store. So with that, let's start the process. To another episode of the Bet the Process podcast. I don't even tell you what episode number and season number. I actually never understand why people do that. Like, who gives a shit? And we do it every podcast. So I guess we're guilty of it. But I'm Jeff Ma, and Rufus Peabody joins me from the greater DC area. Boston, where are you? Boston. I think the problem, though, is that we don't have more creative titles. It's not. What do you mean? I think the title of the episode? Because every episode we kind of do the same thing. We need, what we need is like you know, I don't know, Ohio yeah, State. The episode is... where we find out who the murderer is. Exactly. Or maybe this is the episode where we find out whether he really did it. I guess. It's or whether same. we find out whether Rufus is a dog's name. Well, we already know that. We already know that. Uh, okay. Um, no chance I'm going to get you to Vegas this weekend, is there? Not this weekend. I'm I'm going to uh, I'm going to be in New York, New Jersey, and then Philly for the Monday night Redskins game Look against the Eagles. Look at you! Yeah. Look at you! Such a such a high roller. Don't have time for your old friends. Um, what are you going to be doing in Vegas? I have a bunch of buddies that are going to be out there Friday night, and they're just going for what's being called a dad chiller party. So a what? A dad chiller party. It's a yeah. thing. Don't say it's yeah. not a thing. It's a thing. And then, um, then I have to be there on Sunday for work from Sunday through Wednesday. So I'm kind of like in limbo Saturday night with something to do. So any of you listeners who are out there who are going to be in Vegas on Saturday night and want to hang out with me, just reach out to me on Twitter because I probably will have nothing to do, which means that I usually stroll the strip and look for something fun to do. Um, it's hard in Vegas to find things that are fun to do on a Saturday night, so I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I don't think, Jeff, I don't think you and I have ever actually been out on a Saturday night in Vegas. It's always like a Monday or some weird day of the week. It's actually, true. Yeah. But it's not like a huge difference in any night of the week in Vegas. They're all sort of the same. I might, hang out, I might try to hang out with our tout friend, Cheetah, so maybe catch a game with him. Maybe he and I will have a three-point shooting contest of some sort. But... 
we get we get uh we get crap for being friends with him and being nice to him because he's a tout. So every you got to do you. Yeah, he's a great dude. So I'm happy to be friends with him. Anyways, um, back to college football. Um, let's talk about the playoff scenarios. So first of all, how did Nowcast do? This week, I tried to do my own version of Nowcast. Obviously, it's much easier now than it was, but I even still got a couple wrong. I got um, Michigan and UCF reversed, and I got LSU and Florida reversed. And I think if I had remembered that Florida beat LSU earlier in the year, I probably would have had those reversed. But the Michigan UCF one is it just it's it's so funny because the committee basically said because Mackenzie Milton is hurt, we are going to screw UCF even more. They said something to that effect which is so weird to me. Like, why should a team get punished if someone gets hurt? It's not like their performance suffered. They still ended up, I mean, just from a standpoint of expectation, they covered the second half of that game without Mackenzie Milton. Like, they've played some pretty good games without him. Obviously, he's very good. Um, but I think it's screwed up that they just that they just give continue to give UCF no shot at this thing. Well, the question, the question though, is that, like, what is the mandate for the committee? I mean, if they're trying to find the best teams, then of course it matters that Mackenzie Milton's injured. But they also did say that that the backup played very well, and he had, you know, against East Carolina, I think um, he played quite well as well. So you know, they, they they have not really suffered in quality when he was out. I, the I don't know what the head honcho what what his name is, but he he said something to that effect, or at least is that's what Donald people Trump? have told me. Is it Donald Trump? It might be. It might be does everything so uh, but I, I asked a question on twitter um before we get into my nowcast i asked a question on twitter yesterday which i'm actually curious what what your reaction to that to this is um the question was do you think the committee's ratings would change if they only released them once at one point at the end of the season and by that i meant they only actually got together and, and debated and formulated their rankings um one time each year kind of like um with selection sunday for for college basketball do you think they'd be different do you think they're too married to their previous iterations of the ratings and they no, feel like they I, have to I adjust all of those i don't think so i mean I, I think they you know obviously on the margin it might be different but i think generally it would be about the same because i don't i don't think they have like a, a real process or a real consistent criteria so i think every time they do this it's just like this sort of crapshoot and, and at the end the criteria is always going to be based on like you know, these, these, like, what's going to, it, I mean, we've had what, four years of this now, is that right? Five years of this. And yeah. it's like, and it's, I mean, you know, I mean, well, let's just go through scenarios right now. Like we have, you know, realistically Clemson is not going to lose. Right. So essentially right. you have three teams that are in, like we, we believe fundamentally that Alabama is in win or lose. Right. We do. I, I don't think 538 does. They posted on Twitter a bunch of different scenarios. Kind of shit just, 538 is bad at this kind of shit. So They're good at some things, but I don't think they're good at the... Kind of, they're bad. Not, at the, they're not good at this. Yeah. Like, we know, and, and, you know, this is maybe like, this isn't like predicting the elections, right? Like, we, we kind of know what's going to happen. Alabama is in win or lose. Clemson is not losing. I don't believe to Pittsburgh and you know, then um, then you have a situation with, with Notre Dame who's not even playing. And so they're, I think they're almost definitely in, 
I mean, I so, think Notre Dame is definitely in, even though my model doesn't say they are with 100%. So what does your model say from a percentage standpoint? Um, currently or based on a potential scenario? I think currently we have them at 92.3%. So, almost definitely, you think they're Of there. course. But but I'm saying if, like, you know, if is Alabama loses, Book, if Alabama loses like, and you have this sort of, sorry? Is that like Ian Book gets hit by a car and the committee decides that they're no longer one of the top teams? You know, I don't know when when you make the when you make the committee model and you account for uncertainty. Uncertainty can come from lots of places, and you don't necessarily explicitly say it could come you from know, a quarterback being injured. That's, that's, that's one source of uncertainty. It's uncertain. Exactly. Exactly. You you have known unknowns, and you have unknown unknowns. Okay, so let's go back. We so we pretty much know three teams that are in. Then right. the fourth team really is going to come from. Um, Oklahoma State, sorry, Oklahoma, Ohio State, or Georgia, right? Correct. But and I think we can break it down by scenario because if Georgia wins, they're in. Like right. I don't see any way they get left out we, having we, beaten we, Alabama. We, agree. we don't need to we, talk about that more. Exactly. We agree. So, I think what what are what are sort of these scenarios where there are going to be decisions that leave people um, well, so that it, it's going to be if Georgia loses, right? So if Georgia loses and Oklahoma Oklahoma loses and Ohio State loses, then Georgia will probably still be in. Georgia loses. I have to go through my little chart. Georgia loses. Okay. Oklahoma loses and Ohio State loses. Is that what you yeah. said? This isn't and very Clemson hard. Wins. We just said there's three teams that legitimately have a chance to be in. And once in the scenario where Georgia wins, they're in. Right. So yes. now the scenario becomes Georgia loses. All right. And then there's an opening for a fourth team. Ooh. And in yeah. that case, if Oklahoma loses and Ohio State loses, which I'm saying Georgia is probably still in, correct? Yeah, I have Georgia 91% there. So they're, they're the clear favorite for that spot. So next, Oklahoma no, no. Wins and Ohio but State wins. I think that will come down to how Georgia plays against Alabama, too. If they get blown out 52 to 6, I, I just don't think that they can make it. And this is just my gut saying I don't fine, think a committee fine, would take fine, a team like that. Fine, right? Fine, fine, fine. But right. let's, okay, let's, next. Right. Oklahoma wins, Ohio State wins, Georgia loses. And Clemson wins? Yeah, we're assuming Clemson wins already. We're, we're past this, right? We're, we're, okay. we're talking about the, the most likely scenarios that actually matter. I have to go down my chart. It's like one, 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 zero. Okay, so Clemson, Alabama, and Notre Dame basically. And then we have Ohio State 52%, Oklahoma 48%. And, so here's, where, and, and here's where my thing is wrong. Like somehow yeah, because of the uncertainty okay. baked in, wait, because of the uncertainty baked in, I still showed Georgia with a seven percent chance in that scenario, okay. even though we know they have no chance there. So Oklahoma wins. Well, I wouldn't say that they have no chance actually, because they're fourth right. I mean, if you just thought about this from a standpoint of like what they're they're the four. Let's just just say like what you just said. So let's say that Georgia plays an incredibly close game and loses in overtime to. Um, to Alabama, you don't think there's a justification that Georgia should be the fourth team in? You know, if you're going based on best teams, then yes. But I think the committee, you know, it's a blend of best and most deserving. And I don't but, think that they would take a two loss. No chance. There is a chance. And it's, it, it, it makes a lot of sense, right? If you have them ranked as the fourth team right now, they're playing the team that everyone thinks is by far the best team and they lose in a close game. How is that not more valuable than Oklahoma 
beating a shitty Texas team or Ohio State beating a shittier Northwestern team. That's fair, but there's one thing that is but not baked into the ratings yet. How about this? Wait, wait. Hold on. Hope- wait, Jeff, let me finish. Well, there's one thing that is not baked into the ratings right now that will be baked in in the final ratings, and that's conference championship. And that's something that we don't really know till the final ratings how much the committee really weights that. And so right. I think that is something that does get weight. And in, in, in fact, the previous iterations of the ratings of the final ratings have like we've been able to sort like the my model kind of quantifies how much the committee um so you need to look that. for a second on this one okay we are not we are in a world where we are a fair world where we are not necessarily trying to bake in things that don't really matter from a who's best and who's performed best standpoint and what i'm saying to you is we have a ranking system that says that Georgia's the, currently the number four team. And we have one more data point that's going to happen between now and when we need to decide who's in. And they, how well do Oklahoma and Ohio State need to play in your estimation versus Georgia, like losing to Alabama? for us to move Oklahoma or Ohio state above them, given this level of competition they're playing versus what Georgia's playing. Do you understand what I'm saying? I do. And I'm saying all they have to do is win and Georgia lose probably because I mean, look at like the so eight people on, or anything. Not based, on, not based on what the committee would say. I'm asking no. you based on like what you believe from a standpoint of, Hey, we have these top six teams ranked already. We believe that Georgia's better than these two teams, has performed better than these two teams up till now. And all of a sudden, these teams are now going to play one more game that's going to change our opinions. And Georgia's playing the number one team in the country by far. Mm -hmm. Oklahoma's playing a Texas team, which is what, probably 18, 19, something like that? 20. 20. And Ohio State's playing a team that's not ranked, right? Um, Northwestern number 55 in my model. Yeah. So, like, they win these games. They're relatively inconsequential compared to Georgia's game against Alabama, which is a big test. Yes. When Georgia plays a close game, or even, like, within, say, 10 points, isn't that doesn't that warrant a better performance than Oklahoma or Ohio State unless they just, unless Oklahoma really just kills Texas? Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you. My point before was just that wins and losses do matter to committees and to ratings. And otherwise, I mean, like Mississippi State might be in the conversation. We know that's we know that's the case. So who cares? Right. Yeah. Like that's not the interesting thing to talk about. And not the, no, Georgia, the, the interesting thing to talk about is what really is the, the reality of the flaw in the system, which is that Georgia is about to play a game where arguably in losing, they're going to show us a lot more than Oklahoma than Oklahoma or Ohio State in winning. I and I completely agree. In any way that happens, they're going to get screwed for it. Right? Yep. So, okay. So last question then. So then we fundamentally believe that if Oklahoma wins, Georgia loses and Oklahoma State loses, sorry, Ohio State loses, um, then Oklahoma's in. If Georgia loses and Oklahoma loses and Ohio State wins, then Ohio State wins is in? Or do you think it's much closer between Ohio State and Georgia at that point? Wait, so are you are you comparing Ohio State-Georgia or Ohio State-Oklahoma? Ohio State-Georgia, no. I think we, we said that if Oklahoma wins, they're in and Georgia loses, right? 
Well, what if Oklahoma and Ohio State both win? Do you think Ohio State can leapfrog Oklahoma? I don't think so. Really? Why is that? Because it's because they play a... They're playing a crappy team. They've been generally a crappy team all year that just had one really big win against Michigan, and that win wasn't enough to leapfrog them above Oklahoma at, you know, at this point. So what would a win against Northwestern show us that should really make us... you know, In the Oklahoma narrative, they're avenging their only loss. They're winning the Big 12 championship. Like... If Ohio State leapfrogs them, there's a huge flaw in my mind in the system. But, but look, you you can't control who you play. You have to play the teams in front of you. And if Ohio State absolutely manhandles Northwestern, which you know they're obviously a big favorite, but if they, I mean, well, actually, they're, the market only makes them a 14 point favorite, but you know they should be a 20 point favorite. Now, if they if they win by 35 or 40 and and look absolutely dominant in doing so, and Oklahoma squeaks by Texas. I mean, I do think there's signal in that. That's, I mean, you can obviously you can gain information from playing lesser teams. Maybe not as much as playing good teams, but there still is information to be had. And it's right not, now, the, I have those I two teams. I like, I'm telling you, so I close. what what odds would you give that that happens? What that, are your that scenario happens? I think yeah. those teams are so close right now that uh, that. Uh, Okay, I don't I'll, think it would take a there, lot to move the needle one way or another. A very real scenario. I'll give you two to. I'll give you three to two odds on this. Okay, plus one fifty. Plus one. What, what's the scenario? That if Georgia loses, Oklahoma wins, and Ohio State wins, right? That Oklahoma goes. I get two to three. That Ohio State goes. So yeah, I would say you it's Ohio State 50, State. right? What? So I'm taking. I'm getting Ohio State there. Yes, you're getting Ohio State at plus 150 and something you think should be 50-50. Well, I said the model thinks, but you're also you give me plus 200, I'll take it. What's that? I'll take it at plus 200. No, that's bullshit. I'm already giving you so much value. You just said it's a, hey, at most a negotiation. No, it's not a negotiation. I gave you my price. Well, you said it's basically, what, what, what did you say you make the true odds? You said it's it, it, there's no way. So I made, the, uh, no, I don't, I don't have a now cast model. And I I don't see it happening. Okay, so either I gave you offered you a bet. Either you want it or you don't. Either you believe in your numbers or you don't. I'm giving you plenty of value off your numbers. I mean, remember when my numbers had Washington State? It's nine thousand to one. To giving win the... you plenty of value on your numbers. Do you? I'm want I'm saying. It? So I, I will say the one. Do you uh, want it or not? Flaw. Can I can I say something, please? Here. No, I just want to know if you want this bet or not, so we can move on from it. If you don't. I want to say one thing, a, a shortcoming of the model and this, and I will readily admit to this is that it doesn't actually know what the committee, where the committee picked a team a week before it, you know, it knows the effect of different, you know, the weights on different variables in for in, in determining where the committee places teams, but it doesn't specifically know that Oklahoma was fifth last week. So, you know what? I'm not going to take that. I would take it at plus 200 though. If you want to give me that. It's up to you. It's okay. Okay. Uh, I think you don't really believe in your numbers, basically. Uh, what what an eight-team playoff would look like uh, this year versus this sort of craptastic set of games we're getting this weekend. This is like the poster child for an eight-team playoff, right? You have Actually, Jeff, I want to go back and I want to take that bet because I realize I have a, not, a lot of Oklahoma futures and this would be a great hedge. Okay. Done. What do you want to bet? You name the stakes. Uh, 
three, sorry, what, what would be a round? So you're paying me 3K to win. We'll do 3K to win 4,500. How's that sound? Sounds good. All right, done. Boom. There goes the dynamite. Uh, back to the 18 playoff. What do you think? Isn't this like a testament this year for why we should have an 18 playoff? We'd be having amazing. Imagine this. Friday night, you get uh, UCF and Alabama. And then Monday, sorry, Saturday, the first game starts at nine. The next one starts at one. The next one starts at five. You get three playoff games between, you know, the likes of Ohio State and Notre Dame and, uh, you know, Oklahoma and Georgia and Clemson and uh, who's the seventh team? Clemson. Did you say Washington or Utah? No, neither of them would be in. We're just well, taking the top eight teams. The, the top, top eight, eight teams. Well, I think the best way to do it, though, I think the easiest way would be, you know, all the power five teams would want a team in. I think that's, it would go without saying that would happen. You would have that, you would have the top group of five team, and then you'd have two wild cards. I, I, I think that's the way it would go. And I, I kind of, I don't think, I think that's a good, would be a, a good system, which would, it would give every. I think it would make a lot of different interests happy and give people seats at the table. And, you know, it's not going to be the best eight teams, but it will be, it, it will make the regular season. It'll make conference championship games more valuable for one. Don't you think? No, well, you probably wouldn't have conference championship games in that scenario. That's yeah, the- you would. Cause the conference champions from each of the power fives would make it. Oh, it would be the regular and season champions. It would it make. It, you'd and- have to, like to, to make this eight team Play, you never listen to me on this. To make this eighteen playoff happen, we probably have to get rid of the conference championships. Otherwise, there's too many games. I don't think they're going to want to get rid of the conference championships. Well, they will if you give them enough money. Yeah, but like, how would you determine when, when you have divisions? When you have two, let's say you had an undefeated Georgia. If hypothetically you had an undefeated Georgia versus undefeated Alabama, you'd have to get rid of silly divisions, and there would be have to be like tiebreakers. So basically conference affiliation wouldn't matter at all in this. So the conferences would be like, I mean, I, I just don't see this as being feasible. Like personally, I agree that if we had the best eight teams, it'd be amazing, but I just don't like, I'm not living in fantasy land. There's plenty of ways to make this happen. It's, it's not, this isn't like rocket science. This is literally like, let's plan out a, we have a set of teams, which is all the Division One teams. Let's set up a, a system that's fair that allows us to end up with a playoff of teams where, at the end, like we know who the best team is. Instead, I, mean, I don't of, think yeah. it's it's not necessarily fair in any sport. It's the best teams don't always make it in the NFL. Um, pretty damn. Know, they're, the Rufus, Bills made it last year. Rufus, stop it. There, there's like there's a continuum here between fair and not fair, right? And maybe not all of it is on the hundred percent fair thing, but this is so far from fair that it's it's ridiculous. But I think that if you had something like where where it was decided on the field, where each of the power five teams got in, you know, the top group of five, like that's decided on the field. That gives people certainty. People like that. There's structure, there's rules to it. And then you take the top two. It teams that are not conference only, champs. The only argument yeah. or difference, the only argument or difference that we're having right now is I'm saying, okay, the top five teams, right, from the power five teams are based on the regular season. And in this scenario where you're talking about two teams being sort of tied, then probably the teams that are tied at the top, the second team that didn't win in the tiebreaker would be one of the wild cards. 
So you would get what you wanted. The difference is you wouldn't have a meaningless in currently what they have meaningless playoff game, right? A meaningless conference championship game. I think it would make the conference championship games all the more interesting. It would be, but I think that's where you're going to get pushback because you have too many games for these elite teams. Yeah. I mean, if there's money in it, who cares? They don't really care about player safety or academics, do they? They care about money. They have to, they have to pretend they do. They have I know, but they'll, they'll, they'll find a way. They always do. Okay. A any, way to make- uh, any value in futures? Um, what prices do we got out there? I don't know. I thought you did some homework on this. Now, I, I would guess that I'm just going to be saying value on Clemson like I do every week mm-hmm. and no value on Alabama. I got Alabama as the favorite right now, 48%, Clemson at 30%. People want to know how much money you've wasted on these anti-Alabama futures. You know, I haven't directly bet against Alabama, but I, I my futures every position every single future live. What's that? My futures bets that are still alive at this point are Oklahoma, Georgia, and Clemson. Penn State and Virginia Tech did not win. Um, there are a you few others that didn't. I have some uh, plus 5,000 on Notre Dame. Yes. It's pretty fun. Not plus 5,000? Yeah. So 50 to 1? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. You Last, last <laughs> week, I quoted odds in you know the 50 to 1 thing, and you didn't like that. You, wanted, you said, what are one or two, an American? So now I'm doing an American. Um... Because that's because you said like, you know, two to yeah. seven odds or something. And I was yeah. like, so huh? Clemson yeah. plus 300, Georgia's plus 1200, Oklahoma's plus 2000, Ohio State's plus 1850, and Notre Dame's plus 1050. I make Notre Dame a huge dog. I make them 43 to one. I have Ohio State 36 to one, Oklahoma 50 to one. And that's because, as I said, that, you know, I still think Ohio State's a little more likely than Oklahoma, which is where, um, you know, po- disagreement slash model flaw. Uh, Georgia fifteen to one, Alabama plus one hundred seven, Clemson plus one hundred sixty. So you still you got, got all my prices. Got it. Okay, let's move on to our college football picks. There's yep. only there's there's limited slate this week, um, so not going to be a a ton of picks for us. We're each going to do three games, and we have overlap on two of them. Um, Rufus, uh, we both like Georgia plus we got 13 and a half over Alabama. It's still 13 and a half. So apparently I didn't line shop as well. Cause on the dock, you have Georgia plus 13 and a half and I'm taking Georgia plus 13. So no, we can I think you're getting the best of it. Yeah. We can get 13 and a half. Is it 13 and a half? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, we've, I've talked all season about how I think, um, Georgia. Well, actually, no, I've talked about how Clemson is undervalued relative to Alabama, but I've also, Georgia's clear number three team in the country um, in terms of, you know, predictively. And I think that um, it's a lot closer than people think. What do you make that line? I make that line eight. Interesting. Eight. It's, yeah. What do you make it, Jeff? Um, Let's see. What would you think it should be? I, I think we talked about this a while ago. I, I think I made it around like seven and a half. Actually, I think I made it even lower than that, like around seven, six and a half. Are you giving Georgia any home field advantage due to um, no. you know, playing? Yeah, I, was, I was there. I was there last year, and like it's just not. I know. I I think it's basically a neutral. I'm I'm counting it as a neutral too because I also knew I'd be on Georgia anyway. So yeah, it's um, it's a neutral. 
Um, um, second game. Why don't we do this? The second game where we have agreement, which is Northern Illinois plus three and a half against Buffalo. Yep. The Huskies. You've like the Friday game. You've been on the Huskies all year. I have. I've been against Buffalo too. I remember betting again on army against them. Um, that's one that sticks out. There's been some other games too, probably, but is that real? I always, I, I always remember my army bets. Is that real value for you? Yeah, I make the line minus two. What do you make it? I don't. You know, I don't have a pregame yeah, call. We've we've been through this before. Even though I'm but doing really given well. that, I mean, you're you're 33 and 26 on the year in college. You're, We're you're only one good. game behind me. I know it's pretty impressive. It's probably like a blind squirrel kind of analogy, right? Um, it's a it's it's a successful blind squirrel. I found a bunch of acorns, acorns. Um. Ohio okay, and then your next game is my last one. I'm gonna take Ohio State minus 14 against Northwestern in a line that I, I really don't understand because Ohio State had the number one game grade last week um in their in their absolutely demolition of Michigan. And then uh the week before that, in you know, against Maryland in a game that everybody thought they played poorly on, I, I said they actually had the number eight game grade and actually played quite well. They got unlucky due to big plays and turnovers. And so um I, I'm very, very low on Northwestern as well. They, I guess they, they were locked in. I don't really know what they had to play for um, necessarily the last two weeks, but um, regardless, they didn't play well. They rated out worse than Illinois in the game grades. They, ra- they were number 78 last week, and the week before that, they were number 41 um, in their win against Minnesota. So um, they've won a bunch of close games in the Big Ten to get there. I think that, do they have five losses? Is it? They either have four or five losses. Um, yeah, they're, they're, I, I think the line is as low as it is just because it's a, you know, it, it is a conference title game and Northwestern is, and I don't know. I, I think that, um, people are a little bit low on Ohio state still, but I, I really don't understand it. What do you think about that line? Um, well, I think the reason it is what it, so I, one of our friends who we consider to be pretty sharp actually likes Northwestern in that game. Um, who is this? I don't want to say who it is on the air necessarily. Okay. I don't know if they're Tell like, after. yeah, I mean, and, um, you know, I, I think uh, the perception is that Ohio state is going to play down against lesser competition. And that, that was a bit of an anomaly and against Michigan and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I actually like, you're, you know, when I saw you're on this, I like this Ohio State side because it makes sense, right? It's like the if you want to fit the narrative to what you want to happen, the narrative is that you know Ohio State was kind of playing possum all year and then really stepped up and figured it out for Michigan, and now they're going to really take care of business against North, a, a Northwestern team that's really just happy to be there. So there's a scenario for sure where Ohio State like wins this game by three touchdowns and and never and it's never very difficult. Like I I can completely see that happening. Now the flip side of that right is Ohio State's had a bad defense all year, so the back door is going to be wide open the whole time. Um, but whether Northwestern can capitalize on it is the question. You make a good point though. I mean that is an interesting narrative that that Ohio State has played down to their opponents. I mean they they beat Nebraska by five at home. They beat Maryland by one. Um, they Lost to but Purdue, you know, of course. You you said yourself that that Maryland game was misleading. Yeah, that they should have won that game by a couple touchdowns easily. So yes, it was. They played. They beat TCU on the road by only twelve. So 
So um, at least this narrative kind of, you know, it, 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 there's some merit behind it where people might be thinking that, and that might be driving this line lower than it should be. Yes. But I would say that there isn't a lot to that narrative, predictively speaking. I, I would say I that would, would it's say not that. a big enough sample size to really, you know, you can say that, yes, this has been the case, but I don't think you can say predictively that it, it will continue to be the case. And if you look back through Urban Meyer's career, if you could say, oh, this has been something that has always happened on Urban Meyer teams, then I would say, okay, maybe this, maybe there is some sort of coach team like specific random effect at play here that I could actually look at maybe and, and look at an interaction between um, the quality of opponent and how well, you know, Ohio state plays, but uh, I don't think that's the case. Okay. Um, my last college game is Cal plus three over Stanford. Um, I was on them a couple weeks ago when I thought they were going to play at plus two. Um, I actually like them even more at plus three. See how that works. So yeah. Cal plus three. Jeff, is there any chance you want to add one more game? Because you did have that one game um, a few weeks ago that that got um, wiped out. And as it stands right now, you are a half game up on me in the standings overall with NFL plus college picks. And so, you know, we want to end with the same number of games, don't we? Um, but you can also save it for a later date. Yeah, we can save it for – I'm trying to see a, a game that I, like, remotely like – you got anything on the Pac-12? Boise, Fresno, um, Pac-12, Washington, Utah. I mean, I think I'd like Washington just because that you, you poor Utah quarterback looks like he's not very good. Um, and maybe Washington's figured this all out. I mean, I would like Washington there. I, I bet the line's now five. It opened at three. No, I'm not going to – as they okay. say in business, I'm not going to force anything. Uh, anyways, okay. Um Let's move on to my argument with, as you called him, that Connolly guy. <laughs> <laughs> so this guy, Chris Connolly, um, who seems like a delightful, nice guy. He's, he's always been nice to us, so I don't want to like disparage him. But he tweeted out um, on, what was that, Sunday night or Monday night? Sunday night um, regarding the Green Bay game um, against... Let's see, who did Green Bay play? Green Bay against Minnesota. Minnesota. He wrote, can someone, sorry, I was filibustering until I found his tweet. Can someone explain me, which isn't really good grammar. Can someone explain me why the fuck Zimmer went for it on fourth and two and not take the chip shot field goal? Fuck me. It's hard enough covering without the coaches going completely brain dead. Hashtag GB versus Minnesota. Hashtag Sunday night football. Well, irregardless, his message got across. <laughs> irregardless of grammar. Irregardless of grammar and expletives. Um, I mean, this is a... So I responded to him. Are you serious? I'm pretty sure from a win probability standpoint, that was the right move. And this is from someone with Vikings and over tickets, right? And so I had small bets on the Vikings and small bet on the over. And I had the Vikings at three and the over at sort of at 48. So a field goal there would have been great for me because it basically would have ensured that I was going to win my Vikings bet and gave me an opportunity for a push on the over if they came down and had a meaningless touchdown, right? But even with all that said, you know, I think that was the right move and because fundamentally being up 
seven, sorry, being up 10 versus 13, there's not a huge difference at that stage. And the real key is being able to essentially like make that 3% chance that Green Bay has of winning go down to 0%. Chris and I proceeded to have some heated conversations where I was very critical of his flawed logic. And um, essentially like what concerned me about this is this is like a quant analytics hedge fund dude running a sports betting hedge fund. And his reasoning was just not of someone, you know, like we always talk about this, right? At the end of the day, like, you know, models and commodity are commodity and building models are commodity. What, what you really want to know is you want to know what the person's approach is. And it, it gave me concerns about like what his approach might be given the way that he was reasoning out why this was such a bad decision for Minnesota to do. Like he said, you know, you have Aaron Rodgers. He said, why don't you rerun your numbers if Aaron Rodgers completes that, you know, pass to Devontae Adams and all of that's sort of silly, right? Like the idea that you make a decision based on what you know is going to happen. That's, that's if we could all know what's going to happen, obviously we can make better decisions, but you, you can't, you have to ba- make it based on, um, I think the one interesting thing that came out of this for me at least was, and, and maybe this was like me being an idiot and not realizing this, but when teams um, at the end of games, teams that are behind are often not playing optimally to win because they give too much uh, value or they think they have too much of a chance to win in overtime when the reality is they should probably still be trying to win in regulation if they can. Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah, it's why teams don't go... Well, it's why teams don't go for two enough like um, after... Well, I should say or college teams don't go for two enough um, you know, after the first touchdown in overtime if, the other, if they had the second possession, which Maryland did. But I was going to say it's why... NFL teams don't go for two enough at the end of a game after they um, score a touchdown that with the extra point would tie it. But, um, but that's a situation where you actually only want to go for two if there's like, you know, less than 10 seconds left. So not, yeah, no, but, but I, I agree. With you. Better, I think the better analogy is if you're up, if you're down three, you're playing to get a field goal. Often you're optimizing your opportunity to get a field goal and, and tie Versus like if you're down by six, you're actually trying very, very hard to score a touchdown because a field goal does nothing for you. And so you you seriously increase your chances of winning in regulation. Obviously, there's no opportunity for overtime, but that may be better for you in the long run. And and that's one of the things like our friend Kevin Cole mentioned um, that he's looked at. And and I thought that was interesting because I had just never thought about that. And we discussed this last week a little bit, too, with with the bad decision that – that Ron Rivera made to go for it after scoring what would have been the game tying touchdown with like a minute to go. Cause we said that, you know, it incentivize, it would incentivize Detroit to be much more aggressive. And cause they're, you know, you, you talked they, about it and you, you brought it up and I, I don't think I even got the nuance of what you were saying at that time. So, well, but it, it was basically the same argument though, that, that when you incentivize an, a, a, the opposing team no, no, to be I, aggressive, I give them nothing to lose. Yeah. And, and I completely I agree that teams settle for those field goals. I was saying I was a dullard last week and I didn't get it. Ah, uh, so the other the other thing that I thought was interesting about this comment or highlighted is this sort of moral hazard of being biased by what you bet on when you're trying to um, make like realistic commentary. And maybe I'm like being too harsh on Connolly because you know he's he's a human being who's losing who you know has a bet now in jeopardy because of something. But like you know like to me getting screwed by a coach is what happened at the end of that 
Clemson game. So in that game, we had South Carolina in the second half, plus 13 and a half. Clemson got a first down with, you know, under a minute and could just have taken a knee, but decided instead to run it in for a touchdown to go up, you know, uh, three touchdowns. And there was no reason to do that. Right. And, and they did it. And to me, that's the stuff that happens at the end of college games. That's just like, I, it just drives me crazy. Like last week we had a, a litany of games where we were on like totals and things like that in overtime. I sorry, in blowouts in college. And in some cases the team stopped trying and in some cases the team just kept trying to score. And we were, seemed like we were on the wrong side of all of those. And those to me are like getting screwed. This kind of decision-making, you know, like the idea of Gurley going down at the goal line, we believe that was the right decision from a win-loss standpoint, even if, you know, depend doesn't matter what side you're on from a gambling standpoint. You have to be able to divorce what you bet on from like what the actual right strategy was for that team. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you have to, you, you know that there is going to be a good degree of randomness in you know, these coaching decisions at the end. And it's not like your handicap is based on, it would have changed based on whether you thought, you know, Zimmer would have gone for it there, kicked the field goal. Am I right? No, I mean, obviously, obviously I have no idea. And like, it, it's an impossible thing to model and, you know, whatever. It's hard. It's something you can't control. And so don't, don't stress about the things you can't control. I mean, I, I understand as someone who had a bet that he was sort of expressing some frustration there, but. Um, yeah, and I, I, I personally just I was on the other side there. I, I was I was glad it happened. I, I I had an over as you did. I had over forty-seven and a half though, so a field goal and a touchdown would have been fine for me. And I had the second half under, which so I had a chance to possibly hit both of those. So literally, I would have won all three bets if um if they it, well, actually no, I wouldn't have won the over if they came down and and scored a touchdown. Um, but I would have won um both the side. Because I got Green Bay plus three and a half, and uh, and the second half total which should have been nice. Yep. Um, but you know what? I didn't stress about. It. I mean, it, it's 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 one game. Yeah, it, it's it is, and um, it's again. I I think this is this shit's hard, right? And like, if you, I mean, I'm just looking at our NFL picks. This shit is really hard because we're basically half oh, yeah. of five hundred in the NFL, and if you like sweat those types of coaching decisions um, as, you know, especially like, I think the thing that really bothered me is he called it brain dead and it was definitely was not a brain dead decision. It was probably a aggressive, maybe an optimal decision, maybe slightly suboptimal who really knows it's because it's on the margin and you have people or whatever. I'm confident in saying it was the right decision, but even if it wasn't, it's far from brain dead, which was my point. Agree. So what do you think? So he is the owner of the first legal sports betting mutual fund, which I mean, if it was a few years ago that Nevada allowed uh, entity wagering, so you could actually have a a, a fund and with out of state investors and, and bet, but there's only one sports book that'll take that action in, in Las Vegas, and that's uh, CG Technologies. And so I mean, I've, I would assume it's going to be a, like to make for, I mean, the fund has to be super small. Yeah. It's, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like by super small, I mean like under a hundred thousand dollar fund, I would think. Otherwise it just doesn't make, I mean, I, 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 it doesn't make sense from a scaling perspective. If you're a, a winning better, why would you want to do that? So uh, there was a, there's a guy that came to me 
um, this week who is a smart data scientist and he's been dabbling in college this year and did built out a model um, betting on um, actual money lines in college and got around a 12% return this year off of a, a pretty small fund, but he basically just wanted to prove that he could do it. And, you know, he did it. And so now he was like, so what can I do with this now? And I was like, honestly, like what you can do with it is try to bet more next year and, and scale it. Um, and, you know, I, this is the, the idea that, that of creating a sport, because when sports betting became legal, how many people went to you and said, hey, you should create a sports betting hedge fund? And people have said that to me over the years a lot. Like, why don't you yeah. do that? I said, there's diseconomies of scale. It, it would be, well, A, it's illegal, but also there's diseconomies of scale and it would it, it would not be financially beneficial to me. No, it's, it's really, really, really hard to actually do that. And this isn't like uncommon from what we dealt with in Blackjack, right? In Blackjack, we did really well um, for the first few years, especially that we were doing it. And you know, we had more and more wealth, but at some point we had to actually like tell people like you can't reinvest this money because we were getting too big because you can't deploy all that capital, right? There's only a few yeah. places in the world that'll allow you to bet, you know, 10K a hand and allow you to get away with it um, at any consistent basis. And, you know, it, it just, it's the same thing. It's like these markets are not liquid enough for you to raise a big money. So big, sorry, a, a big money sound now as, co as cogent as uh, Chris Connolly. Um, well, no, I mean, unless, unless you're betting soccer and betting in Asian markets, I think that's, I mean, you look yeah. at like what Tony Bloom is doing. We've talked, talked about this with yeah. our good friend Ted Knudsen. So it's, it's uh, soccer still offers an interesting opportunity, especially if you have access to stats bombs services, uh, the wonderful company that Ted runs. Yeah. Ted is amazing. He is. He's cool. He uh, should sponsor the podcast. He should. <laughs> I'm sure he could pay the hundred hundred dollars that it costs each episode. I'm sure we could get anyone. I'm sure like, like I mean, the, we could just pay it ourselves too. The, you know, the guys, uh, I'm, we're talking about just raising money so we wouldn't use the sports action network anyways anymore. So, Maybe we'll do a maybe we'll do a GoFundMe or a Kickstarter. <laughs> By the way, I ha, I think I think on this uh, charity thing, I think the lose the winner should get to pick which charity the loser donates to, and I think so, I know what my charity is. Remind me of what the bet was. It seems like it was so thousand dollars charity donation to whomever uh, to whatever based on who has a better record between you and I. Okay, and th does this go through the end of the Super Bowl or? Or is it, it just, just like the regular season? What's our lives? So it never gets paid off. Uh, I like that. No, okay. let's do it through the end of the Super Bowl. Okay. And and I also have a one thousand dollar bet with Seth Byrne on whether Alabama wins the national title. Loser has to donate a thousand dollars to charity. So charities are, are free rolling here. Seth Byrne will one day be on our podcast. We talk about him all the time. We converse with him on Twitter, but he's too cool to come on our podcast. We'll get him on, like, we don't have guests in season, so we'll get him in the off season, hopefully. I've heard he's a big magic player, so maybe we can get him to come and talk about magic. I, I would love to understand more about that. I've, I don't know anything about it except that. Maybe we should do a magic podcast and be like magic. What if, yeah, maybe we'll become players ourselves. I think at this point in my life, that'd be like me finally starting to smoke pot or something. That'd be a bad idea for me. It would. Maybe, maybe it'd be a good idea for you. I've never smoked pot in my life. Not once. Not even, I mean, not even when it was illegal. Not even when it was cool. Uh, 
Uh, okay, let's move on to NFL picks. Let's do it. Okay, uh, I am Jeff. Um, last week you went one and four. <laughs> I went one and four as well. We had we had some agreement. We both had Cincinnati minus three over Cleveland. And by the way, someone tweeted out, um, you know, my Massey Peabody picks, which Cincinnati minus three was one of them. And in just uh, this is Sunday, maybe. 11:30 a.m. Eastern Time, and and where the lines were now, and it was like, you know, the the the, the line of movement against me was not fun, because um, that game closed with Cleveland as a small favorite, and somebody asked me, actually Kate asked me, what was the reasoning, but like why did the line move like that? Because it's such a big move, and I said I don't know, and I and I think that, I mean I don't think there was anything fundamentally that moved it. I think part of that move was AJ Green, right? But that but that was kind of known. Most, no, I think I think that was maybe the move from three to like below three. So once once I feel like you go once you have enough, you know what I mean, that inertia to get it off of get three. three. Yeah, once you get it off of three, then there doesn't need to be that much to move it to. You've said this all along, and that's not a significant move. I think the significant part was the AJ Green not playing because early in the right. week he, said he was going to play. Okay, so but but going from so you go from minus three, which is I mean, what's what's our probability there, like? 60 percent ish i don't have my chart open but um to you know the money line closed with cleveland maybe like no vig was maybe 51 52 percent right right like that's a that's a that's a substantial move for losing one player so let's see minus three uh depends on the total i'm getting my chart out yeah close to 60 percent um that's that's a big move that's a very very big move so i i mean do you think there was anything more to it or do you think do you think that you know our process was bad given that we both like Cincy there and Cleveland ended up destroying them and we got the worst of it in terms of line move value like how would you evaluate that and how should an average better evaluate something like that when it happens to them um well I mean I think the AJ Green thing I think that the AJ Green thing is a big thing right I I do think that the perception is that he is a big difference maker for that team. And so beyond that, I mean, shit happens. Like the the season, the the season numbers supported like Cincinnati being at least the three-point favorite, right? With or without AJ Green. And so, you know, sometimes shit isn't in your model. Like the fact that like Baker Mayfield and that Cincinnati team Cleveland team may have been like super motivated to just demolish. Cincinnati, which it seemed like they were, you know, that being said, like that backdoor or or that Cincinnati team had a bunch of chances in the second half to really at least make that thing kind of close. They, they when you're down 28 at the half, you can't. Yeah. I mean, it was interesting though. That was a game where, where um, I had a lot of value with the the Massey Peabody model. I think it was my, it was my last pick. Um, And but the player level model, even early in the week before the AJ Green news, just had it as like Cincinnati minus one. So, um, anyways, is there um, anything I can glean from that? Probably not. Anyway, our other bets we we both also had Miami plus seven and a half at Indy. That was a win, and we both had Philly minus six against the Giants, which lost. Um, the other bets that we each individually had, which lost, were uh, you had Pittsburgh minus three against Denver and Washington plus seven at Dallas. And I had Atlanta plus 13 at New Orleans, which lost by one and Oakland plus 10 and a half at Baltimore, which lost. And I'm 
you know, I'm not very happy about that one because there was, uh, you know, yes, Baltimore played a lot better than Oakland did, but there, you know, they there was a um, there was a, a fumble six, return touchdown a and a punt. Yeah, well, a fumble, fumble return, return touchdown, touchdown, punt return touchdown. Punt touchdown. Yeah, in the sec- yeah. I think so, Oklahoma. I think Oakland was the right side there. After I mean, watching that game, so. Yeah. So anyway, we both went one and four. Jeff, you are now. Um, We're basically five hundred. Oh wait, um, I wrote down your record incorrectly. Your record is not twenty-eight and a half, twenty-eight and three and a half. That is my record. Right, um, well, your record is twenty-nine, twenty-six and four. So you have a one and a half game lead on me in the NFL. Nice. Do you want to open? Start with your picks. We have agreement, I think, this week on one. Just one bet. Okay. I'm going to start with the Chargers plus three. Is that three or three and a half? What are you seeing? Do you want to go with the Asian handicap? Sure, three and a half, three. Perfect. Yeah, I think because I think it's solidly 3.25 right now. Yeah, I uh, I think this is actually going to be interesting because the Chargers have played like a relatively weak schedule recently and they've their numbers have gone up well against them and the Steelers have played a, a harder schedule, um, but we shall see. Yeah, Chargers I think are a little underrated. I mean, they're they're I have them as number four in the Massey Peabody, and I, okay. I, yeah, I make it two and a half there. So I'm going to take Jacksonville uh, plus four against Indy, and yes, they have. Um, I almost said Aaron Kessler at quarterback. Um, this Kessler hopefully will be better than Aaron Kessler at quarterback. Uh, Cody Kessler, uh, which he he's not better than Blake Bortles, at least according to my numbers, but. You know, I, Jacksonville still has a defense that should, you know, is decent and should be playing better than they are. Have they quit on the season? Maybe that's the narrative. I don't know, but but Jacksonville is still not that much worse than Indy, and I, I make the game. Massey Peabody makes it um, basically. But you're going to be slow to get, you're going to be slow to catch up on Indy because you probably had really bad priors on them going into this so, year. That's a fair point. I mean, but the, I did have Andrew Luck priors, so it's. But yeah, this, I, I think he's super Andrew Luck. This is like next level Andrew Luck. But I have their defense. So so where I have them rated low is on defense. Their offense is is a, is very good. Like their offense, according to my numbers, is the is the top ten offense, number seven. So their defense is the problem, which is like bottom five. Uh, okay, uh, I'm going to take the Rams minus the ten uh, over Detroit. Um, our model like this, and our model is like a little bit more complicated than just looking at pure uh, power ratings, etc. Um, and I was happy. Factors. I was happy to see that your numbers actually had this line close to minus ten because I figured because normally in situations where there's a big road favorite like this, your numbers like the road dog or the home dog. Home dog. No, Massey Peabody has it as over has it as eleven actually. So it's um, the player level model actually is not as bearish on Detroit as Massey Peabody is, but so, so I, I laid off the game, but, but yeah, I think um, I don't have anything against that pick. I'm going to take Oakland again at plus 15 at home against Kansas city. Um, this is one that the player model likes more than Massey Peabody does. Massey Peabody makes it 12, but both of them like it. And we've talked, you know, ad nauseum about Oakland, so no need to, to discuss any further. more about Oakland than any podcast in the world should have talked to about Oakland. Uh, Arizona plus the 14 against Green Bay. Obviously, I liked it more earlier in the week when it's 14 and a half, but 
you know Arizona was winning that game against San Diego ten nothing at one point. <laughs> against the yeah, against you mean Los Angeles? I, I, I remember looking at that at the beginning. No, that when the line moved up moved up to fourteen, it became a play for us. So I texted one of my partners. I'm like, hey, what's what is this really a play? And it turned out it was. So I was like, oh great, we're up ten nothing. This is awesome. Because <laughs> wait, did you get it in or not get it in? Yeah, I got it. Yeah, we okay. got it. Because if you hadn't gotten it in, you would have been like, "Damn it, we missed out." They're up ten nothing. Of course, we yeah. Sadly, root against, sadly, root against bets that you that's didn't worst get feeling, in. Worst feeling in the world. Worst yes. feeling in the world. You can't win in that situation. You're weirdly biased about it, but it's the worst feeling in the world. Um, I have Arizona as well, so that that's my fourth pick, or um, actually my fifth pick. But yep, yeah, then. Okay, my last one, I'm going to take the Jets plus eight um, at Tennessee. With Right now, I'm using uh, McCown as the starter. There's not a, there's a minimal difference in terms of my numbers with, with him and Darnold. So um, I, I think that, you know, the Massey Peabody likes it more than player level in this case, but Massey Peabody makes it 5.3, and player level model makes it more around where it actually is. So it's, it's, my, it's, it's the most marginal of the, of the picks. It's my last one. I'm going to take Sensi plus five and a half. Um, just coming back for more punishment, basically. Interesting. I was, I was interested to see how poor Cincy is in the season-long Massey Peabody numbers now. So they're, they're really bad. I actually took Denver. I got Denver at, at four earlier, and now that's up, uh, that's up you, to five. And it was three and a half early. So, you, I mean, I moved it. No. I mean, it, NFL market's pretty – well, I don't know. Early in the week, it's not that big. but Early in the week, you can move stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think Driscoll's a pretty big downgrade. You know, Andy Dalton doesn't get a lot of love, but his good friends call him Andrew. So, uh, how about you actually have one more pick you didn't talk about the Carolina? Oh, I forgot. Did I literally leave out a pick? I did. You literally left out a pick. And you left out one too. I'm not ah. done yet. Oh, I somehow I missed it. Okay. I'm going to take Carolina minus three and a quarter. So, I think that's a solid. Asian handicap there because I see like Pinnacles minus three point five plus money, um, and you know I don't Tampa I hate betting against teams that have an awful turnover differential which Tampa does but um, but I'm doing it and Carolina Carolina actually had the sixth best game grade last week despite losing to Seattle they were far superior in yards per play uh, eight point four to six point five you know the first drive of the game they had a seven seventy one yard drive you know ended turning it over on downs. Um, they had another, they, they lost the turnover battle. They missed a late field goal. Um, that was a game where the score is a little bit deceiving, but you know, when you have a great coach, like, you know, riverboat Ron Rivera, weird things can happen. True that, true that. And then I'm going to take Philly minus the six at Washington. Um, just, we're all just hoping and waiting for Philly to be a good team again. It's gonna happen. I kind of like that there at six too. Actually, the player level model loves it, but I haven't gone through and actually figured out the Philly injury situation on defense yet, and re-updated that. Which it doesn't matter. Schwartz, Schwartz figured some shit out. He figured some shit out. He's a genius. He's an econ major from Georgetown. He's a great defensive coordinator. Terrible head coach, but he's a genius. He's not literally. He's not literally a rocket scientist, though. Unfortunately, which we all know Matt Patricia is. Yeah, I mean. Do you think that prep having his players practice out in the cold is, do you think that's different than, I don't know, the whole, I mean, obviously it is different, but 
is it the sort of same mentality as the whole Maryland football thing where we're pushing the, you know, the coaching staff, pushing these players, DJ Durkin, like too hard. Dude. I, I mean, I've played competitive sports. I've coached competitive sports. I'm not particularly good at these competitive sports. I played <laughs> Which sports are these. I was a, I was a, I was a water polo player in college. Wa- water polo. Okay. Yeah, won, won a division three national championship. So there bitch. Is it televised? Uh, no. Are you kidding okay. me? This, this is, first of all, this is in the 19, early 1990s, right? So it wasn't like the internet was allowing for seventh tier sports to be televised. Okay. Hey, I played, we had, we had intramural inner tube water polo at Yale. Is that, that, is that, that's pretty similar, right? I think I'm fairly confident in saying that I'm more athletic than you are. You're probably you're better than me at golf for sure, but other things I, I think are probably better than you are. I, I think I'm a better runner than you are. Uh, yeah, but that's not. I think athletic. I compete you at racket sports. We should do a we should do a decathlon. You I pick love that idea. Sports, I pick four sports, and we. Okay. Interesting. So, uh, how do I mean, do they have to all be individual sports, or can we have like individual yeah, skills individual. as part of team sports? They have to be individual sports. Oh, then I'm a huge favorite. I, I don't work well with teams. I I don't know if you're a huge favorite because uh, I get to pick four of the sports. Yeah. You're not gonna be. You're not gonna beat me in a swim race. You're gonna pick like archery. You're right. I'm not gonna win in swimming. Swimming is not. That's a fairly common sport, Rufus. I know. I'm not a good swimmer. I'm not good at the strokes. How are you at basketball? You know, I'm not a bad shooter. At least I didn't used to be. But I, I don't have. I'm not super quick. And I don't have enough size to play effective defense. Yeah, so I can. I'll probably get you in basketball. I'll get Length. you. In wait, that, wait, that's an. That's a team sport. No, it. But we just do one on one. There's a version of it that's one on one. Right. That, that's what I asked. I said, do we do individual? Or are we going to be doing individual versions of team sports? Yeah, you can do. We can yeah, do, okay. like you can't. There's no individual version of football. I think I'll, I'll, I definitely will have you running. Okay. Whether short or long distance, I think. Okay, probably. Um, I'm not a particularly good runner, so we'll do that. We can do that. that was so my is one of them. You probably want tennis as one of them. I would want tennis. I, w- want I would, golf. of course, have you at sailing too. If, but sailing, which, is by golf. the way, Aaron Kessler, yeah. like um, of the Golden Nugget, this is something. This is from like years ago. He's he's been wanting to do some bet on like a sailing race on Lake Mead or something. Um, with with giving him big odds, he kind of thinks that maybe he could win it. Okay. Anyways, I think that's our podcast today. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, we'll probably have more of this conversation about what our eight sports will be for our decathlon. Uh, and uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs>